The truth of the matter is that, as we've said in the past few weeks, peace isn't always there, is it? Uh, we have the promises, we, we have the verses that talk about peace, and yet, yet sometimes we wonder where it is. Well, there is, it turns out, an unattainable peace. As a matter of fact, it's a promise uh, of an unattainable peace. Uh, before I get to that, though, there's a oh, 5th century Greek fella by the name of Zeno, around 475 or so B.C., 5th century B.C., uh, Greek fellow by the name of Zeno, came up with this, this paradox, Zeno's paradox of the tortoise and Achilles. And you're thinking, Michael, really? Yeah, really, hold on. Um, it, it's a logic problem, and, and, and I hate math, but I've always enjoyed logic problems, and this is one of those logic problems. The, the, the paradox is the tortoise challenges Achilles to a race. Uh, you know, Achilles' heel, it's that Achilles. Same Achilles, if you're familiar with your, your Brad Pitt movies. Um, uh, yeah, he played Achilles in one of the movies. Um, tortoise challenges Achilles to a race, and Achilles is all, all right, if you want to, I'm going to win. And he said, well, you would think that, the tortoise says, but, but I'll tell you what, will you, will you allow me a head start? And Achilles says, okay, well, how much of a head start? Well, let's say the tortoise says 10 meters. 10-meter head start. Achilles says, okay, I'm still going to beat you. He said, well, hold on. You allow me a 10-meter head start. How far would I go while you caught up to those 10 meters? I said, well, I don't know. I, I, the tortoise says, okay, well, can we say maybe a meter? I would, I would make it one meter while you make up the 10 meters. And Achilles says, Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. And the tortoise says, all right, well, then while I progress, while you make up the meter between us, I will progress a little further. And Achilles says, yeah, yeah, I see that. And while you make up that distance that I have progressed, I will progress a little further. He says, yeah. And, and while you make up that distance that I have progressed... I will progress a little further still. He, he didn't say anything this time, Achilles said, or Achilles didn't. And the tortoise said, so you see that you'll never catch me because I will always move a little further than you and you'll have to make up that distance. And while you're making up that distance, I'll move a little further. And while you're making up that distance, I'll move a little further and so on and so on and so on. And Achilles said, you're right, you win and they never ran the race. Now, logically, that makes sense, right? I mean, because if, if you think about it, he always moves a little bit ahead of him, and Achilles can never catch up, because he's always... The, another way of, of looking at it is uh, to have... Uh, I've got to go across the stage. Just, just uh, to, you know, I'm, I'm at this corner here, I've got to go to that same corner over there. In order to get there, I must first cross half the distance, right? Well, now in order to get the rest of the way, I have to cross another half of the distance. And to make it, I have to cross another half of the distance. 
And then I have to cross another half, and another half, and another half, and I will never get there. I can't get. As a matter of fact, the way it works out when, when you look at it, uh, again, logically, all motion is impossible. That's, that's the end result of Zeno's paradox, is that you can't move. You can't get anywhere. Well, sometimes we, 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 we think it's the same way with peace in our lives, right? And Jesus' comments don't help that situation. Turn to Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 53. Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 53. Eddie, you may have to go get me a couple of new batteries. It sounds like these, even though they were fresh, they're not wanting to cooperate. Luke chapter 12, verses 49 through 53, Jesus tells us that peace is unattainable. Look at it with me. Jesus says, I came to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already set ablaze. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how it consumes me until it is finished. Do you think, here it is, do you think that I came here to give peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but div rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. When Jesus is the one that tells you that peace is unattainable, it, it, it makes, uh, makes Zeno's paradox about moving fairly simple. Jesus, how can you tell me there will be no peace because, you know, I've got some verses for you, Jesus. I've got some verses for you. Isaiah 9, 6 says that he will be the prince of peace. Isaiah 52, 7 says that he will be uh, the proclaimer of peace. Luke 2, 14 says peace on earth. We talked about that verse last week, didn't we? Peace on earth. Jesus' own words. I'm going to turn them back on you, Jesus. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. John 15, 33. You may have peace, so that you may have peace. And then Acts 10, 36. You can have peace through Jesus, Acts tells us. So, Jesus, what are you talking about? Is it hurting your head yet? Thinking about it? Then you're not thinking hard enough.
So, who has the answer? You're probably wrong. No, you might be right. I don't know. Sorry about that interruption. We have all of these verses. And there will be people that tell you that that's what Jesus came to bring. And that's all he came to bring. I mean, there will be those that tell you. Well, it wasn't the batteries, was it? There will be those that tell you that, that the only thing Jesus came to bring us was good stuff. You know, make us happy. Make, make things wonderful. Make things great. Well, I mean, I'm here to tell you that that might not be the case. But that's what they're going to tell you. Look, Jesus came to bring, bring peace, and that is all. That's all he's going to do. He's not going to bring anything else, nothing else bad. And yet, from the very words, the, the lips of Jesus, we have, Do you think that I came here to give peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. We have to start at the beginning of that passage, though. That's why we're at verse 49 first. We have to understand something about Jesus. Sal uh, Jesus came to bring, ultimately, salvation. I'm sorry about that, but there's absolutely nothing I can do. Uh, Jesus came to bring salvation. The reality, though, is with salvation comes judgment. Unless we believe that everybody goes to heaven no matter what, and we don't, we shouldn't, the Bible doesn't tell us that clearly, then there will be judgment along with salvation. Because not everyone will choose the path. Not everyone will be saved. This fire that Jesus is talking about that he came to bring is the result of Jesus being an option. See, Jesus is an option in our lives. We don't have to choose him as our Savior. We don't have to choose to serve him adequately once we have become children of His. It doesn't matter that, uh, you know, what He says we're supposed to do. We have the option. We can choose. Jesus knew that His path was difficult. Jesus knew that it was going to be difficult for the Christian to follow Him, the, the Christian to, to take the path. I mean, we're, we're, we're told that, that uh, narrow is the path, uh, difficult is the path that follows him. Wide and easy is the path away from him. The gate is narrow to him. Wide is the gate away from him. Why? Because there ain't as many people on the narrow path going through the narrow gate as there are through the wide gate. I've seen um, uh, uh, on Facebook here lately uh, the fact that there is a, a highway to hell and a stairway to heaven is pretty telling about how much traffic is on either one. And for those of you who aren't music fans, ACDC, Highway to Hell, uh, Led Zeppelin, Stairway to Heaven, it's two songs. Maybe that illustration wasn't the best. Um, but uh, it was, you know, it, it does tell us something. A highway versus a stairway. It tells us they, they didn't, that wasn't their intent, but it does tell us something about it. Jesus knew that following him was going to result in a difficult path. If, if, if not, why did he tell us, in this world you will have trouble? That verse would have gone much better with Prince of Peace proclaims peace, peace of the earth, uh, peace, of, uh, peace on earth, rather, a typo there. Uh, peace I live with you, you may have peace, peace through Jesus. It would have been better if Jesus had said, in this world you will have peace. 
But he didn't say that. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. There will be a difficult path for his followers. It will not be easy walking the, the Christian road. Then he goes on to say that, you know, I, I came to bring fire. I came to bring uh, judgment. I wish it were already here. We need to understand that Jesus is a divider. You know, we, we you know, the United Nations, we, we have these, we have a president that was supposed to be the great uniter. And you decide whether he's done a good job on that or not. We, we, we have other leaders that are supposed to unite us. You will unite varying factions in, in this uh, conflict and that conflict. Jesus never came to be a uniter. Now, he did pray that his church would be united. But he never prayed that the church would be united with the world. As a matter of fact, we are supposed to separate ourselves, at least in our actions, at least in our attitudes from the world. We are supposed to live separate. I mean, we're not talking about communes here. We're not talking about holy huddles, but we're talking about there should be an obvious separation, a difference between me and the rest of the world who doesn't follow Jesus. His whole purpose was to separate sheep from goats. I mean, he's clear on that, that one day, that day comes, sheep on the right, goats on the left. He is a divider. That is one thing he will do. One day, well, he does it now. Right? Two roads, two gates. Jesus divides. As a matter of fact, Matthew says, not division, but sword. Matthew tells this same story. He he. Uh, changes it up a little bit. My bet is that, you know, in three years, Jesus probably taught the same things. I, I know how that is as a, a, a pastor who only preaches once a week, how maybe sometimes you need to cover the same thing a few times while people get it. Jesus taught every day for three years. So Matthew, at one point, Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace, but division. Another time he says, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. So not just is there going to be a difference of opinion, but y'all, there will be, by his words, violence because of Jesus. But, but peace on earth. See, this division, this sword, will even affect our closest relationships. We're kind of okay with, oh, the sword, the division affects those people over there, wherever over there is. You know, we understand that we're different from them because we tend to, as Americans, think American equals Christianity. And that's the way we act a lot of times. That's the way the world perceives us often, is that is American equals Christianity. Well, look around, folks. It doesn't. Uh, at all anymore, but it never did. Christianity is much older than America. So it's not an us, this country versus that country division. It, it's, it, it is much narrower in scope. It is much more intimate than just that. Following Jesus is not a guarantee of a peaceful existence. It is not a guarantee. We, we want it to be. 
We want, when we come to Jesus, for everything to be okay. We look, look at it in, in, in terms of maybe a, a marital relationship. You have two unbelievers that, that fight like cats and dogs all the time. And then one of them goes to church for a while and becomes a believer. Is that going to solve the problem when you then now have a believer and an unbeliever? In the same home? It's not. If anything, it's probably going to make it worse. Why? Because now, you know, at least you, were, you agreed about what you were fighting about. You know, now you disagree about what you're fighting about. And, and maybe the, the one who become a, became a believer doesn't want to fight anymore. The heart has changed. And, but the, the non-believer does. See, it creates strife. Families Today, right now, if a Muslim becomes a Christian in other parts of the world, and occasionally even in the U.S., they can be killed by their family. Jews, if they become a Christian, will be ostracized. They won't be killed, but they will be put out of the family, ignored, forgotten. They never existed because they became Christian. It, does that sound like peace to us? That is division. That's pain. That's a narrow road full of pitfalls and bumps and, 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 and problems. In this life, you will have trouble. If Jesus came to bring division, let me ask you, where is the division in your life? Because if you can live like Jesus, or you can say you live like Jesus, but it doesn't cause strife, you're not living it right. Did you hear me? You, you, can't, you can't claim to be living like Jesus and for that to never create waves in your family relationships or your friendships or your, your work relationships. If your life with Jesus does not affect anyone negatively, now I'm not saying be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk on purpose. That, that wasn't Jesus' way, but Jesus created waves. Look at the division Jesus caused. He goes into the religious facilities of the day, and they want to kill him. Y'all, that's division. And he didn't say anything. I mean, he didn't have to really say anything. He said stuff like, you know, love your neighbor. He said stuff like, I'm God. He said stuff like, give of yourself more than people give to you. He said, uh, greater love has no, no man than he lay his life down for a friend. You know, he said, he said some pretty, pretty convicting stuff, and we talked about the things in the Sermon on the Mount, but it caused not peace. Not everybody just came up and said, oh, that is wonderful, Jesus. We love what you're saying. That is beautiful. It was, hey, now we want to kill you. So when, when, when you hear someone say, when you hear a TV preacher tell you that come to Jesus and your life will be perfect, shoot your TV. Because he's lying to you. All we have to do is look at the life of Jesus and say, that ain't going to happen. Or we could just look at what Jesus said. I did not come to bring peace, but division. See, our, our faith is not of a name it and claim it 
everything is wonderful source. We, we, that's not where, what we do. We don't say, as long as I trust Jesus, I can have the nice house, the nice car, and the full bank account, and all my relationships will be perfect, and, and I won't get sick anymore, and nobody that I love will get sick. Really? Really? But isn't that how we sometimes live life? I mean, we get mad at Jesus when somebody gets cancer. Well, I don't like cancer either, but it ain't Jesus' fault. Well, Jesus, they love you. Why did they get cancer? Because life sucks and cancer sucks and people die. That's why they have cancer. And someday they won't have cancer anymore. And someday you won't have to put up with death anymore. And someday you will experience peace. But right now there is no perfect life guarantee. See, the peace that we think we want, the, the peace that we wish Jesus would give us is absolutely unattainable. Jesus does not guarantee a peaceful existence. Jesus does not guarantee a peaceful existence. Jesus only guarantees peace. Well, Michael, you're talking in circles now. No, no, I'm not. Because what we want peace on earth to mean, what we want this proclamation of peace to, to mean, what we want a prince of peace to bring us, what we want for the, the peace that he leaves us to be is a peaceful existence. And if you've ever raised toddlers, you know that doesn't exist. If you've raised toddler twin-like children, you think peace has never existed and never will again. <laughs> Jesus did not come to bring us a peaceful existence. Philippians 4.7 tells us, And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Does that sound like nothing bad is going on around you? No. It is a peace of God that guards your hearts and minds. I, I, we, uh, when Hurricane Ike came through uh, Houston in 2007, seems right, eight? Eight, yeah, there we go. We stayed in Houston uh, for it. We, we hunkered down there at uh, First Baptist in Kingwood. Um, and it passed I mean, it came up Galveston, Houston. The, the, I went right over Kingwood, where we were. And I didn't get this far out in it, but I did look out the, the door during that part of the hurricane. Uh, when the eye was going over, uh, there was one man who got out in his truck and drove around, uh, looked to see what was going on and all that, and came back before the storm started again. Because the eye wall is horrible. That's your worst part of the hurricane, is that eye wall. That, 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 that's the, the, the toughest winds, the most strain. But in that eye, and it didn't get this experience because it went through overnight. But when a hurricane goes through during the day, you can actually see the sun. It will be clear sky in the eye. Sometimes clouds will cover it, but, but sometimes those clouds will break. And it will be clear sky. Maybe it will breeze. But you're like, what? It, it, it's peace surrounded by 130 mile an hour winds. I mean, literal death and destruction 
all around you, and yet you are in this circle of peace. That is probably the best picture I can come up with for Philippians 4-7. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of this, and storm doesn't just cover it, in, in the midst of this uh, hellacious, destructive monster, you have peace right here in the middle. The peace of God which passes every thought. That is the peace that Jesus guarantees. Not a peaceful existence because you stand in the middle of that eye of the hurricane, you're looking, especially at Kingwood, at thousands of snapped pine trees and lawn furniture blown all over the place and houses with trees in them and trees on top of cars. I mean, you see destruction and yet you know peace in the midst of that. The peace that Jesus brings is peace with God. That is the most important peace we can have. I know we look at uh, other relationships in our lives and we think, if, boy, if that would just be it. If, if, if I could get this relationship to work or go away or whatever, finally I would have true peace. No, you wouldn't. Because then there'd be somebody else right in line to, to, to screw that up and to start over with. And I'm not saying the problem's you, though the problem might be you. Uh, I'm not saying the problem's you. I'm saying the problem is not that you need peace with other people. The problem is that we need peace with God. And the only source for that, the only person who brings it, the only person who guarantees it, is Jesus. Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. The Bible tells us prior to salvation, we are enemies of God. When you have an enemy, you don't have peace. It just doesn't work. I mean, you can make peace with your enemies. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I used uh, uh, the, 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 the uh, surrender instrument uh, at the end of World War II with Japan as an example. That created peace. But that didn't automatically uh, end the enemy aspect of our relationship with Japan. Uh, if you don't believe me, talk to any World War II vet in the South Pacific. And, and you'll hear that some of that enemy aspect even today is still there. But, but if we look, though, what we did see was as a nation that we did overcome that. That once we made peace with, with the nation of Japan, then we were able to, to get away from that enemy status till now uh, one of our greatest international friends is Japan. That's because peace was made with our enemies. Same thing happens with God. We are enemies until we make peace with Him. And, and we're not talking about a ceasefire. You realize there's a difference between peace and a ceasefire, right? A ceasefire says, we still don't like each other. Given half a chance, we'll still kill each other. But at the moment, we're not shooting at each other. And maybe we won't shoot at each other for quite some time. But it's not peace, it's a ceasefire. Peace is the hand of friendship, the hand of fellowship, a, a, a different relationship to that peace 
uh, that, that moment of peace. That's what we're going for. And that is the peace we get with God, Romans tells us, only through Jesus. That's the peace that Jesus brings. The hurricane will blow. You will go through the, the eye wall once again. Very likely you'll go through another hurricane and another hurricane. It's just, that's just the way life is. In this life, you will have troubles. But I have overcome in this world, you will have troubles, Jesus says, but I have overcome the world. Did our troubles stop? No. But we have peace. So in reality, Zeno's paradox is wrong. It's wrong because, right? Here to there. I made it. Showed you, I even went past it. Motion is possible. So while logically he's wrong, mathematically, I mean, while logically he's right, mathematically he's not. And I can explain to you why. Uh, it's, it's, it is a math thing, and I actually figured it out. Understood it, even though it was math. Because the whole idea is you can't go, you can only go halfway and another half and an infinite number of halves, so you never get to the point. Well, that's not true, because one is the sum of an infinite number of fractions. Half, and half of that, and half of that. And we can keep going an infinite number of times, dividing it down. One half, one fourth, one eighth, one sixteenth, one thirty-second, or... I've already lost myself. Uh, on the... Huh? 164, yeah, I think I can keep going a little bit. We can, we can keep dividing it, and, and we can keep slicing it, keep slicing it, keep slicing it, but mathematically, we add all of those up, and you're going to get one. You can get there. Zeno was wrong. Motion is attainable. Achilles will beat the tortoise. Peace is attainable. But a peaceful life, a peaceful existence, well, not this side of heaven. So, I want you to hear the hope in this message. I mean, it sounds kind of crappy, right? We can't, we can't have peace. What's the point? Peace on earth. No, -uh. there is no peace on earth, I said. Well, there's really not. There is no peace on earth. But there is peace in our hearts, no matter how out of control the situation around us is. And really, that's, that's the peace we want. I mean, you, you promised me 60, how much longer am I going to live? I'm 40. I have two toddlers. What, three years then? Um, <laughs> you promised me 50 more years. Let's say I make it to 90. Because I want to be, be a burden and a pain as long as I can. Um, let's say I go 100, you know, something fun. I really want to see 
the 300th anniversary of the U.S. Now, depending on your views, we may not make that at all anyway. Uh, but, you know, 2076, I'll be 101. That'd be cool to, to say, yeah, I saw two of them, uh, though I don't remember the first one. So let's say I make it to 101. You can promise me that until 101, I will experience a life of peace. Until, you know, 61 years from now, nothing but peace the rest of my life. First, I'm going to ask you, what are you doing with my kids? And secondly, I'm going to tell you, what's the catch? I'm going to ask you, what's the catch? And you're going to tell me the catch is from 101, you know, on no peace. An eternity separated from God. Torment. Give me my torment now. Let me have the peace from 101 to infinity, to eternity. Let me have peace then. That's the peace that Jesus, is, Jesus promises. You can have good times now. You can have an enjoyable life here and there, but it's still going to be life. But what Jesus promises is peace forever. I will trade 60 years of hardship for an eternity of peace any day. Any day. Because I want to spend it with my Savior who told me he loved me enough to die for me. See, the reality for us is that Jesus is peace. Oh, how we want that to mean peaceful existence, but that's not what it means. Jesus is true heart peace. An eternity of peace. And we can experience that peace, like I said about Romans 5.1, since we have been declared righteous by faith. What does that mean? Well, that means that we have some unrighteousness to deal with. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. Sin is unrighteousness. We have a problem, and our problem is sin. Your, your problem is not a low bank account. Your problem is not a, a, a job you hate. Your problem is not family members you don't get along with. Your problem is sin. And the only way to deal with that problem is through Jesus. And the resulting wage of that problem is death. And it is not a peaceful death. And I don't mean you die in your sleep. I mean what happens after you die. It is not a peaceful eternity apart from Jesus. But God said, you know what? I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to provide a way that you can experience that gift. The gift of God. The gift. The free gift. Y'all, you don't and can't. You don't have to. And you couldn't anyway earn this free gift. You cannot be good enough. You cannot create enough positive uh, uh, opportunities in your life so, oh, I get to go to heaven. I get peace. It doesn't work that way. It is a gift of God. It is eternal life. It is peace with God. But it only comes through a relationship with Jesus. When we are declared righteous by faith, 
through Jesus Christ. So this morning, if you've never experienced true salvation, if, you have, if, you're, if you're looking for peace, if you've been looking for a peaceful existence and this morning you're saying, I, I, I want some peace in my life, either external or internal, I'm telling you, you will never get external, but this morning you can have internal peace then this morning, I want you to come forward and say, you know what? I want that peace. I want to experience a peace that I can't understand, that I can't put words to, because I do not have it right now. That's only found through a relationship with Jesus Christ, and today is your day to do it. You might not have tomorrow. You might not have this afternoon. Today is your day to experience peace. Let's pray. Father, God, thank you that you provide true peace through your Son. Lord, we would love, love to have a peaceful existence. The babies could be quiet for just a little while. If, if he could just not get on my nerves, if she could shut her yapper, if, if they could leave me alone, if the job could calm down, if, if all these things could happen, that would be wonderful, but God, we know that those things aren't peace. Those things are moments and fleeting. God, the only true peace we can have is through you, through your Son, Jesus Christ. And I pray this morning that if there is someone here that does not know you as Savior, has never experienced that internal peace, today they would do that. They would trust you today. They would admit their sinfulness. They would express their remorse, their, their regret, their repentance from that sin. God, entrust you as their Savior. It is a free gift. We only need take it. Lord, you offer it freely. But it wasn't free. Your son paid for that gift on the cross. Lord, we thank you for his willingness to go to that cross, to come to a manger, born in a, uh, born in a barn, could leave the doors open all he wanted to. But God, the door he left open was the one to heaven, the one to your heart through the heart of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we can experience that salvation. Lord, work in hearts this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you really can have peace for life. No, 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 not a peaceful existence, but you can have peace for life. Today, you can follow Jesus if that's what you need to do. You can accept Christ. You can be baptized uh, if you haven't followed in that obedience. Leading a life of holiness, understanding as a Christian, I should not be doing and living the things, uh, doing the things and living the way that I'm living. I need to turn back to you, Jesus. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you just need to come to the altar and, and, and you have things in your life. I'm not telling you don't pray for peace in your life. Don't hear me say that. Don't hear me say that Jesus doesn't care that your life stinks sometimes. He does. And don't hear me say that Jesus won't take that away from your life for a time. He can. He could. He might. I don't know. I'm not him. I can't tell you. But I can tell you this altar is open for you to pray to him and say, Lord, take it away. 
Jesus prayed, take it away. Let this cup pass from me. I don't want to be crucified. I don't want this, this storm in my life. And God said, you know what? You need to go through this. And Jesus said, not my will, but yours. Maybe that will end up being your prayer today. Not my will, but yours. That's really what it needs to be, end up being anyway, right? Give it to him. Come to the altar. If you'd like me to pray with you, I will. But do business with God this morning. Let's stand and let's sing.